This episode of Uncontrolled Airspace is made possible by the support of our generous listeners. For over seven years, we've been thrilled to enjoy the financial support and useful feedback of our awesome listeners. For information on how you can join the conversation in our forums, put something in the UCAP tip jar, or even become an underwriter of a UCAP episode, visit the UCAP homepage at uncontrolledairspace.com. Clear. But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So somebody, an unnamed donor, anonymous donor, has, has, uh, has um, um, what's the word, um, promised a $50,000 donation to this group that's going to build a replica right flyer. Um, you see the story? Right, right flyer B. Right, a right B flyer, which is like... A, a, a replacement replica right B flyer. Well, is it a replacement or will it be, now will there be a fleet of two, is one of my questions, I guess. Well, didn't the I first one that, crash? Well, it, 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 no, a different one still, crashed. Different one crashed. They've still got one flying, but it's been flying since 84. Yeah. Or yeah. I'm sorry, 82, actually. And uh, even though it has more modern technology and things My like that. My God, 82. There's no airplanes flying that are that old. I, <laughs> it's not exactly the, the, the uh, construction technology that was expected to last. 30 years. Well, that's uh, right, that's right. sort of my question here, all right? So I'm looking at a story from the DaytonDailyNews.com. Unnamed donor gives $50,000 or $50K to build Wright Flyer replica. Um, the, uh, in the, the first couple of graphs, the Wright B Flyer, a recognizable flying piece of Dayton's history seen by thousands above Vectron Dayton Airshow, uh, could be replaced with a new lookalike replica. Okay, there you go, David, replaced. Unnamed contributor donated $50,000, build a new model of the old replica of the Wright B Flyer, also known as the Brown Bird or the Iron Bird that first took to the air in 1982. Uh, but so apparently it's a replica, really using the term lightly, all right, because it's like apparently uses modern, not only modern, you know, modern materials and and they've, you know, apparently streamlined or, you know, kind of cleaned up some of the, you know, handling issues and I don't know what. And that's that's sort of one of my questions is how... Why? Why did they need to build a right flyer replica with metal spars? They, they build wooden airplanes all the time. That's, that material is fine, right? I, I don't quite understand why there's, they needed to go. There's so not much in the way of modern airplane production done with wood spars outside the experimental community. Yeah, but it can uh, be done, right? It's, is it safe? It can be done. Uh, an old friend of mine, an A and P, had a J three, and when he decided it was time to rebuild it. Now, this is early 80s, okay, about when this airplane was being built. But it, it, he went to the time and expense to seek out and find the correct wood spars from the correct wood mm-hmm. when that J-3 was originally built. He could have saved himself a boatload of time, money, and a fair amount of weight if he'd used a, a replacement that was available uh, that would not change it dimensionally uh, at all, just make it a little bit stronger, a little bit less susceptible to right. moisture damage and But it'd humidity. still be wood, right? No, it would have been it would have been metal. Metal. All right. See, well that's kind of so it would have been metal. 
So if they built a right flyer, but it, they've made it out of metal and they've probably used synthetic fabric and uh, it's probably got different engines. And wh- what makes it a replica? This is my question, I guess, when you get right down to it. I, I can't speak to the fabric or engines. No, no. I, well, no, but. I gotta figure it's got a slightly more modern engine than it had back then. All right, if they're going to use metal spars, they're not going to use a a 1911 style engine. I don't think. Right. Mm-hmm. They might be using modern modern built incarnation of the same thing that maybe incorporates better lube and cooling, but dimensionally and exteriorly looks the same. That's conceivable. Well, maybe. I mean, everything else about it's custom built. Maybe. So this is the uh, the right B flyer. According to this news story, this is the 1911 vintage design, um, which is is not actually the one that I would love to see re- recreated. Um, it was the what was it? it was the 1908 Wright Flyer that really was the was the turning point, right? The tipping point, not the one that they showed off to the military and they uh, really got got some traction on. That, that that's the one that got great great acceptance and reviews when right. it demonstrated in Europe. Has and anybody then built came a replica over here? Has anybody that we know built a replica 1908 Wright Flyer? I don't know if I've heard of one. We we had that group way back when who tried to build an original Wright Flyer, a you know the one the Kitty Hawk Flyer. Well, and maybe, that didn't maybe work. we should use the power of the Google. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. What? Tell, use the power of the Google, please, Jeb. You Google Meister. I, I don't think there's been a 1908 replica, but maybe I could be totally wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. see. Well, there's a video, there's a YouTube of, uh, yeah, there's a, uh, there's two YouTubes. One of the, of a 1908 Wright Flyer engine running. Mm-hmm. It's an, it's an exact replica of the Wright Flyer engine. Okay. And then there's another YouTube dated uh, September of 12, um, a Wright Flyer 1908 replica ready for takeoff. Um, let's click yeah, on okay. this. I see that one. Let's see what this see is. What ha- see what happens. Um, well, looks real, doesn't it? There it is. Looks, looks. You know, it's got wheels and instead of skid. I mean, it's got wheels on the skids. Yeah, yeah. The props look pretty. Props pretty are replica. spinning. It's not moving yeah. at this moment. There's uh, still people working around it's the just, aircraft. It's just idling. You know. So um, I'm not sure it does take off. To be honest with you. Jump ahead. No way. Well, at least taxis go to about 50 seconds. So now it's taxiing. It's rolling on the grass. There, there may be dialogue here. I've turned off the audio, so I don't know what what I might be missing in that regard. But uh, no, and then it stopped. Yeah, it rolled. You know, and, uh, about the distance of the first flight, and and then kind of came to a stop. Yeah, really. So, no, yeah. no. Later in the video, now I'm up to about two ten, and it's taxiing some more. But no, it just taxis to the end of the video, and then never. So ready for takeoff. Let's see now. Do these people have any other videos related to this? Uh, is another video called Engine Start. Mm-hmm. Another, well, anyway, so inconclusive. Mm, inconclusive, yeah. yeah. But well, the, the other thing, though, too, putting aside the metal spars and and maybe you know high tech equipment, uh, high tech fabric, um, just the fasteners and the metallurgy technology has changed so much in yeah. hundred years. Um, one of the things, one of the goals apparently for this replica is to be able to break it down and put it into like an eighteen wheeler trailer. Uh, and, and transport. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing about lo- that. Yeah, from location to location, that makes a lot of sense, and, and it also makes a lot of sense to uh, to build that in when you're making the replica, and, and of course, use again modern materials and, sure. and fasteners. Sure. Does uh, does does any organization such as EAA have a definition of what 
an aircraft needs to be to be called a replica? Is there a standard? Is there a, 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 any guidelines about the, the guidelines that were kind of explained to me, and I don't remember them being written down specifically, was by an old hand at AOPA when I first hired in too long ago. And that was, you could call it a replica if dimensionally and aerodynamically it was correct. Okay. Or at least really, really close. Like if there was a little difference in the control architecture on an aileron, say a pair of ailerons on a biplane, it was done because it was safer and the uh, possibility of doing that wasn't available when the airplane was built. That wouldn't necessarily kill it for being a replica if it made it safer or easier to fly. But, you know, they wanted it to have the right airfoil, the proportional amount of horsepower, uh, and look and represent the original that mm-hmm. it's supposed to, to replicate. Okay. All right. Well, anyways... You know, one way or the other, it's a cool little airplane they've built apparently in. So, uh, in what Dayton. you're basically saying is, we need a we need to have some kind of a test we can apply to determine if if, if something is a replicant. Is that, is that what you're telling yeah, me? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, remember, we all remember uh, the the GB replica that flew on the circuit uh, back about a decade ago. Uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, what? Kelly- it, he built and flew the, this GBR replica. I mean, it was an exact replica. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, right. We talked about that guy. But, uh, yeah, and there was another sort of replica thing there at Oshkosh this summer. So that's there's that. Mm-hmm. But I but I uh, see, David, I'm, I'm really sorry. David, your pop, your pop culture credentials just dropped a couple notches because you completely missed the Blade Runner reference that, that Jeb was making there. And, and, and as we know, <laughs> and as we you know. Sure, you sure I did? Yeah, well, I don't know. You, all I know is, is you know, if if Deckard couldn't even decide if he was a replicant, let alone who else was a replicant. So clearly, it's a it's a it's a puzzle. It's a it's a challenging question, and uh, and maybe we'll leave it at that. So and while I say, yeah, and when, and when you when you look at the aircraft and and look at the Garmin GPS sitting in it, then you wonder if it's truly truly a yeah, replica. Exactly, exactly. Hey, welcome, well, I mean, folks. When Neo, when Neo looks in the mirror, what does he see? <laughs> okay. Right. Did you, you take the red pill or the blue or the pill? The blue pill. Welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, coming to you from uh, beautiful uh, Letty something or other fields here. In uh, in uh, uh, It's really turning into fall already, Epping, New oh, Hampshire. Uh, what, where what? are you? Uh, yeah, Epping, New Hampshire. Yeah, you're, you're in Epping, okay. But but you 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 were talking about you know you're not sure where you were or something. Well, no, that I don't see. Sometimes I <laughs> sometimes I stumble into giving a little bit too much detail about where I live, and I'm not sure if I'm really comfortable with that. And so that's what happened just there. So and I'm going to leave. Yeah, it because you know, no, yeah, because you know, no one can find me. Yeah, well, i you know that's that's water <laughs> under the bridge, man. That's just you know. <clears throat> and let me say hi to my two good friends who are here with me today in the in our virtual hangar. Uh, one of those voices out there is Jeb Burnside talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. And see, that's what I tried to do way back when is to like be vague somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Yeah, because, but somewhere along the line, you know, you, you, yeah, okay. Hi, Jeb. There, there are just dozens and dozens of residential air parks east of Sarasota, somewhere near yeah, Sarasota, I know. Florida. The sad part is that I think people have actually found your house, which is, uh, I don't know. Anyways. Hi, Jeb. How you doing? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on down there? Is it, uh, it's hot. Yeah. 
it's August in Florida, no. so you know you can't really complain too much. But yeah. uh, another month or so of this, and it'll start to break. Right. Um, but uh, you know, um, the grass is high, and I don't feel like mowing it. So there you go. There you go. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. And also here in my uh, in our little virtual hangar is uh, my other good friend uh, Dave Higdon is here. Hi, Dave. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We uh, we missed you so in Oshkosh, to- man. It was just like not the same kind of Oshkosh without you around. I, I, I truly, it was really. I was aware on a very regular basis that we, where's Higdon? I need to ask Higdon a question. He would know the answer to this, you know. And uh, um, more than once, I was wandering the grounds of Air Venture 2014, and I looked kind of across the ramp or wherever I was, and I thought to myself, "Oh, there's Dave." And, oh, wait a minute, that's not Dave. <laughs> Dave's not here. Dave's <laughs> not here. Hello, who is it? Yeah. So, uh, who? So we missed you, man. But uh, you know, next year's another year, and uh, um, yeah, well, we we were already plotting. Our transportation. Yeah, so. well, so so are all of us. I, I, there are people on Twitter who are already doing countdowns, and uh, you know, our, our pal uh, Jonathan Hardwick has uh, has been talking on Twitter about how he's counting down the days. So, uh, and, I, and I know he's not the only one. So, anyways, speaking of AirVenture, um, so it's about three weeks ago that AirVenture concluded, a little over three weeks, and. Uh, uh, just kind of quickly, we summed it up a bit on our Sunday morning episode, but, uh, you know, um, you know, Jeb, obviously you and I were there. Dave, you were paying attention from a distance. Um, what, uh, any final thoughts on, on AirVenture 2014? One bit of news since we left, um, the, uh, they taxied the one-week wonder when we were there on Sunday, and they thought that sometime, they were hoping that in the next week they would actually fly it. They flew it like two days later. Yeah. Yeah. Flew it like on Tuesday of, uh, of right after the show ended. So that was pretty cool. Um, you would have loved this thing, David. The One Week Wonder was just an awesome project, and uh, it was invigorating for general aviation and home building and, uh, and you know, putting your hands on and popping rivets. And it was very, very cool. Yeah. Uh, familiar with how easily you can put together Zenith kits. Uh, and uh, it's... it's just uh, amazing they 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 flew the puppy on tuesday yeah after the really yeah it was crazy they and you know uh, um, and i remember when they've done this in the past with a different model zenith where they started building it on opening day at sun and fun and and flew it before the show closed on the last day uh that was generally less volunteer help and more former builders, prior builders, uh, factory people, uh, some outside help, but they were on that puppy a lot, and uh, it was geared more to actually finishing the airplane than getting as many people involved as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think that was the intent here, and they were they were uh, pleasantly surprised by the number of people who were fascinated by this whole thing. Oh, I, absolutely. Charlie talked about that at Lakeland. Uh, Charlie Becker talked about that at Lakeland. It would, you know, their hope was that they would get people in there that had never really considered the idea, and here's a chance for them to see one going together, mm-hmm. put their hands on a couple of simple tools and see how easy it can be. Yeah. But not only did people literally line up and wait 
some time, you know, it, there were times when it was quite a wait to, to get in and actually pull your own rivet, all right? Um, people just hanging out and watching from right. across the rail, all right? I mean, yeah. uh, you know, we heard reports from a number of different people that there was basically never a time, almost all week long, never a time when there weren't all, the, the rail wasn't completely lined with people watching the process of building this airplane. It was very cool. That's, that's just phenomenal. Yeah, uh, yeah, very, very cool. So uh, One Week Wonder was just a big, big success, and, and it's actually flown um, at least once. And uh, we were all wondering who taxied it. And we, we later heard, I guess it was the head guy from, uh, from mm-hmm. Z. Roger, yeah. Who taxied yeah. it. Um, did you hear who flew the first flight? Jeff Skiles. Jeff yes. Skiles flew yeah. the first flight, um, yeah. and that was kind of cool. So uh, who is who is leaving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A whole different story. I heard that just today. That's kind of kind of a, a surprise, if you ask me. I don't. Know. I hadn't heard any rumblings along those lines, but uh, but yeah, he got to fly it, give it its first flight, and uh, and uh, and they're going to finish. Now the uh, I picked the right paint job. Uh, my vote apparently put them over the top. Really? Uh, yeah. They uh, so they had they had been um, our, our, our friends at Scheme Designers were uh, uh, had had designed a handful of paint schemes that would ultimately be uh, the colors for the airplane, the one-week wonder. And they narrowed it down from a big list early on to three particular paint schemes there at AirVenture, and then we all voted for which paint scheme we liked best. Um, There were two that were sort of basically red, and then there was one that was blue. And I liked the blue one, and uh, and that's the one that ended up winning. And uh, You stuffed the box. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not above I'm not above stuffing the box, all right. But man, I would have had to really go crazy stuffing it because apparently it won by like two to one or something like that. Really? Yeah, I mean, it was dramatically the favorite, um, and so uh, eventually they'll get around to painting it, and it's going to be a cool looking airplane. It's going to. Yeah, well, Char- Charlie showed me the the. I guess it was eight or ten original schemes that they presented to the public before Sun and Fun. Uh, you know, and they got the membership and the public involved in narrowing that down, and then let the public pick it again. And that was a pretty, pretty savvy way of building interest and getting people familiar with the idea that that project was going to be going on up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't be a bit surprised that if you had stopped any given person in that line and asked them, uh, "Gee, did you vote on the paint scheme?" That you'd have better than one in three chances of getting somebody to say, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah." The other uh, another follow-up story from AirVenture 2014 um, is, uh, as we had heard rumblings and, and suspected, um, attendance was in fact up dramatically this year. Um, I think the numbers that came in, I don't have the story in front of me, but I believe that the the numbers were on on the weekend days or one of the Saturday, I think it was, the attendance was up like 20 plus percent or some crazy number like that. That's that's the number I, uh, yeah, I think it was this last Saturday of the show this year versus last year's last Saturday. Right, yeah, year to year. Was up up 20%. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, and that's consistent with what we thought we were seeing there, but boy, that's just quite a number. Um, kudos to everybody on the EAA and the AirVenture team for. Uh, well, and they had strong days throughout the week, even mm-hmm. though they weren't yeah. necessarily dramatically no, up. Absolutely uh, true. Some of the people from here, here in the Wichita area, and some of my uh, contacts that I. Yeah, but you, you know, know the, we, we <clears throat> trade stuff, and they were kind of amazed at how busy their booths were, even oh. on the slow days. Yeah. No, no, we absolutely heard that from a number of vendors. People 
brought people sold out all the inventory that I mean that they brought to for exhibit in the case of exhibitors a lot of exhibitors not all of them obviously but uh, so it was a very successful air venture um, anybody who wants to get a taste of what uh, Osh, Osh 14 was all about um, there there's a lot of video on YouTube and, and the other services um, two in particular that I would call people's attention to one is the EAA official wrap-up video which just, just got posted like today or yesterday or just recently and it's a pretty cool video and another one that's that's a very very well done video and is becoming a little bit of a kind of cult uh, uh, favorite is uh, a one produced by just an attendee uh, I, I believe is a young guy twenty something guy um, who goes by the name of Slick and uh, and uh, he posts uh, he's for, for about three or four years now he's posted one on on YouTube uh, in a f- within a few weeks of of the uh, fly in and uh, and it didn't disappoint this year it's a, it's a very very cool video of. Uh, of the happenings there, so uh, um, you can search uh, YouTube or, or check out the show notes uh, for links to to these two videos. And uh, um, it was a it was a it was a fun air venture this year. And, uh, and yeah, was, uh, so, David, you really <clears throat> ought to put it on your calendar for next year. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, those are my thoughts. Uh, Jeb, anything you want to add to that about uh, you know kind of looking back on on uh, well, the, only, the, only, the only thing. <clears throat> excuse me. The only thing that. Um, um, might be remarkable. Um, a local friend here, um, Discover, um, she and her son, um, teenage son, uh, went up there from Sarasota to Oshkosh, mm-hmm. um, spent four or five days on the site, um, saw everything, were there for the weekend near shows and you know, Thunderbirds and all that kind of thing. And um, neither one of them are pilots. Although the son is is um, you know has the bug and, and wants to learn to fly and, and has in fact taken the flying lesson, mm-hmm. um, and I just you know that's just amazing to me that um, people would you know non pilots would travel from Sarasota to Oshkosh uh, to see that air show to, for that event. And not that not that it's not worthy of of uh, uh, that kind of. Um, uh, I don't know, leap of faith. It was it was their first time for both, mm-hmm. you know, all of this kind of thing. So it, it, clearly, we're we're starting to we the air venture is starting to attract um, uh, a non flying public that's willing to go to some lengths well, to get great. to the show. Yeah, yeah that's that's it, it, it's, uh, that's a sampling of exactly one. Uh, but uh, I two strictly speaking, well, but, two strictly speaking. But, but I get but your it, point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just find that interesting, yeah. and, and it certainly bodes well. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because my first recollection of an EAA convention was from a buddy I was in junior high and high school with, whose father took them to Rockford. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Every year, and he'd come back and he'd be all you know goo goo eyes about right. all the airplanes that were there. Now, Rockford, just for the people who don't know, Rockford was the location of the EAA fly in before Oshkosh. That's that's a before very important 1970, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a very important distinction, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, Rockford was EAA, it was temporarily in uh Milwaukee, I think, first two years, and Milwaukee said, hey, Time out. You're crowding us, son. You're crowding us. Yeah. So <laughs> Rockford invited him down, and it stayed in Rockford, Illinois, until a gentleman named Steve Whitman, yeah. who was an active EAA member, builder, designer, air racer, and manager of uh, the airport in Oshkosh, it now bears his name. He invited Paul Pobresny and the board up to take a look and said, you know, 
I think you guys would could find a real home here. There's lots of acreage to develop. It's not crowded. It's away from everything. And Rockford's starting to wear thin with you guys. And that yeah. set the stage for where they are today. Yeah. There, there's a story, and, and I don't know if it's apocryphal. I don't know if it even happened. But the story I heard, I've heard was in his younger days, uh, when he was still serving in the Guard, uh, Paul Pobrezny, um was in the belly of a tanker or a, a cargo plane or something like that, looking out the window, and the, the airplane was orbiting in a hold, or maybe it was uh, maybe it was a tanker in, 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 a, in a tanker racetrack or something. Um, but he looked down, and he saw the runway layout. At, it, maybe it was Rockford, maybe it was it, maybe it was Oshkosh. And said, you know, that's going to be the perfect place to have this airship. This sounds familiar. I I, I think I've I heard this story. I, yeah, as well. I don't, I don't, I can't, you know, tell you where I heard that or or uh, um, you know when or or if it's true. Yeah, David, you were around back in those days. <laughs> See, I promised I was going to stop. Making <laughs> I, was. I, I, I promised I was going to stop making those kinds of jokes. It's so easy, I was about David. Seven or eight. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, well, why are we talking about replicas when David has flown the real thing, right? Or the Wright brothers? <laughs> you know. Okay. No. 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 <clears throat> Anyways, so uh, Air Venture 2014. Uh, 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 not exactly closing the book on it, but uh, uh, it was a good year, and uh, now we're counting down till. Actually, I'm not counting down to Lodge 15 quite yet. I'm, I'm counting down to Sun and Fun. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm. That's that's you know not the next big thing, but that's, you know, that, that's the next really big thing. Yeah, no, and uh, you know, so we'll do Sun and Fun first. We'll do a few other things as in the meantime, and uh, and then we'll go back to Air Venture. Yeah. Well, we'll get NBAA in October, and then we'll get the Sport Expo in January. In January, and then and we'll, then Sun and Fun. Sun and Fun in like in like late April this year. It's crazy. Yeah, and in a couple of weeks, Reno. Ooh, we'll that's be right. alive. Well, well, Reno and uh, and uh, um, I don't know if they've had the final of the regional AOPA fly-ins, but we certainly have the homecoming coming up. In uh, no, the uh, the homecoming is in Frederick. Um, I guess September. And yeah, then, that's right. And then in later November or something like no, that. November is, that, is the uh, southeast regional. Fly-in. Yeah, that's the one that you yeah. said you've been going to go to. I want to try to get to. Yeah. yeah, right. And I'm going to try and get to the homecoming. Um, you never know. I might show up in November down there too. But uh, I, I'm really, really want to go to the. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm not away on business, I, I'm going to go to Frederick uh, f- almost for sure. Well, you know, time will tell. But anyways, <laughs> um, one more thing before we take a break here. Uh, Off field landing of the week. Uh, reading from uh, NewsOn6.com, Oklahoma's own NewsOn6.com, uh, plane lands in street near Tulsa International Airport. Um, this is kind of a cool story. Uh, this is like a, a couple of young people. Um, I don't know if they're actually teenagers or just young 20-somethings. Uh, one was a relatively newly minted private pilot, and the other was a student pilot, and they were off, uh, were off for a flight. And, uh, you know, no, no, uh, no fooling around. They were just kind of doing a flight. And right after takeoff, they lost power on the, on the plane. And uh, they, uh, you know, quick thinking and, and calm, you know, uh, thinking, uh, set it down on a road uh, right off the uh, end of the, uh, uh, the field. Um, it, it's, uh, it's quite a story. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch the video that goes with it. But. I watched the video, and I, and I read up a couple of other sites that had little stuff about it. And got to say, the, 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 the newly minted, quote-unquote, did a 
from the looks of the airplane, did a phenomenal job of keeping it right in the center. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I was, that's one of the comments I was going to make, is that this is a very, very graphic example of why it's important to be able to land right on the center line of the era, because this airplane came to a stop. Lord knows what he went by when he was when he was rolling out, but he ended up stopped on this narrow road with the wingtips not only over the grass to left and right, but like <laughs> right between two foam poles. I mean, there isn't five feet between the wing, each wingtip and a telephone pole mm -hmm. so uh you know he did a really good job here um and somewhere uh, he should go by his instructor around Coffee, here donuts dinner or something yeah around here yeah that's that's called taxiing to the runway yeah that's true you have to yeah you're you you have to like give that a little chicane course of of mailboxes it's, and, it's like and, an obstacle course yeah, yeah. and trash barrels i've, I've uh, been with you a couple times doing that but uh well, yeah Taxiing from the south end of the runway at Beaumont, Kansas, up to the airplane parking past the water towers, a little bit that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you got to be real mindful of what's on the left and right because if the county doesn't keep it trimmed, it can be you can play your best game of bob and weave. Yeah, right. So kudos to the uh, to the uh, pilot and the, and the student pilot uh, who uh, kept their heads and, and set it down safely. Also, credit where credit is due, this is a, this story was pretty well told. I thought um, you know a lot of times the mainstream media will will either get it wrong or 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 will get a little breathless and try and try and glamorize this kind of a story. And this was just I thought a very well told story. They they were a little fixated on the fact that these guys were teens. They kept mentioning that in the story. And and they kept using the the phrase the VSI went to zero. All right, as if that's how pilot notices that the engine quit. You know, it's like you're watching the VSI. Well, uh, now, if I'll it was I'll take very... zero, <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll take zero any day of the yeah, week. Yeah, right. Thank so you. Thank you very much. VSI and my airplane or the variometer and any of the soaring machines. Yeah. I'd, I could live with zero on the VSI yeah, for exactly, hours. Exactly oh, yeah. right. So uh, other than them fixating on these two little metaphors here, um, I, I thought the story was very well told. It wasn't too terribly breathless. They quoted some interesting people. Um, uh, I, it was it was a well told story, it's, and so it's, it's good good basic. You know, journalism skills. Yeah, no, there. no. They, they, you know, I mean, in, in, given how often these stories are told badly, this one was told, told just fine, if, as far as just, I can tell. I, I was just grateful they didn't have to eject the wings before they. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I hate it when they have to do that. And I know. that would have that would have made the comments about them barely clearing the telephone poles a lot. You know. Yeah, it would have, but at least the wheels would have stayed with them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That that other airplane that ejected its wings once, it did away with two of the three wheels. So. Oh, yeah. So anyways, I, I wish that. So this story, the website, the Web page I'm looking at here just basically has a couple of uh, 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 sentences and, and a link to the, the embedded video. So unfortunately, I can't name the uh, pilot and, and to congratulate him. But but congratulations, congratulations to these two young pilots um, for uh, safely getting the airplane back on the ground. Yeah. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back in just a couple minutes. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. Hi, this is Jack. We've said it before, and it bears repeating, that maybe the most pleasant surprise of doing this podcast all these years has been meeting our listeners at fly-ins and just wandering around at airports. 
You talking with us and sharing your aviation experiences has helped us broaden our knowledge and enjoyment of flying. Thank you. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that we also appreciate the financial support we get from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big, big help. So thanks for listening, and please make sure you track us down and say hi at the next fly-in. So uh, while we are in uh, in Oshkosh, uh, the uh, FAA administrator was there, and he gave us what felt like some sort of good news on a couple of different subjects, and that, that was good. Um, but the FAA, God bless their little hearts, decided like on the day after Air Venture was done, decided to make two announcements that, that we're not all that quite warm and fuzzy about. Um, which one should I go first here? Um, Whichever one feels the least chicken shit. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, this was, uh, this was just not impressive of them. So two stories. Let me, I'll, I'll just name them, and then we'll decide how to talk about it here. Um, they announced their um, – FAA announced their interpretation of – they had been asked for an interpretation of the um, sharing the cost of flight rule um, vis-a-vis a, a software program, a, a mobile app that people were running on their phone to find people to – take to share rides with and the company that was making the software asked the faa is this legal and and faa uh came out with an interpretation that said no it is not in compliance with the rules that you can't find people and share costs this way and we will elaborate that on a second um and then the other story they came out with was that uh, that and this is the one that's just nuts if you ask me building an airplane in a hangar is not an allowed use in a in an faa subsidized airport um, it, it just, just just boggles my mind. I, I give them one and point five. One one out of five, one out of ten and point five out of ten. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying that I think that they were close to right on one of them and oh. not even remotely close on the other. Oh yeah, no, I guess I agree with that. What what I the so I maybe what you're talking about is the the cost sharing not be allowed one is strictly speaking correct. Um, I think the news media misinterpreted the interpretation um, in a number of different cases, and the uh, news media, think. the news media, repeatedly was saying, "Okay, this means that you can't share costs ever when you're like you and your buddy go for a hundred dollar hamburger or for a sightseeing flight. You can't share the cost of gas, all right? And that's not what this interpretation said at all. If you ask me, um, it, it said that you cannot, you cannot." Um, um, seek out people using these these systems like the software all right and uh, um, you still can share the cost of gas when you go flying with a buddy um, that's that hasn't changed um, so that one's sort of a non thing that's the one david am i correct yep they got it right the, the half right you think they even got this one half right all right they, no. you, you cannot build an airplane in a hangar come on it's, no, a, it's, it's it, go ahead why is this half right david please Oh, it's not even half right. It's half assed. Oh, oh, okay. All right, uh, good. All right. Well, well, thank you. I feel better you, now. You can do you can do final assembly on it, but you can't assemble components of it when it all goes into the same final product. Uh, if you're a maintenance shop, you don't have to have a maintenance certificate uh, as a shop, but you do have to have the appropriate license for the work that the individual's doing. Would that be non-aeronautic use because it's not assembling an airplane and it's not uh, a, a flyable airplane when it's in the shop? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got other questions about this that are you know like 
let's drop back to the uh, ride-sharing question. Uh, for a long time, a couple of associations have operated little clearing houses on their website ahead of big events that let people post that they were going and coming and invite people to. Yeah. Or say conversely, say, gee, I'd like to go from here to there on these dates, and I'd be willing to share gas or whatever. Right. Uh, so what if it's the person not supplying the lift who puts their name on a board and says, gee, I'd be interested in going from here to there on these approximate dates, doesn't mention cost sharing, and some pilot goes, oh, you know, I'm making a trip about that time. Apparently, you know, I know, it's, it's tricky. The pilot's not soliciting. And what are you going to do to all not- the civilians say, oh, no, you can't, you can't raise your hand up and say by the way world i'm going somewhere yeah but apparently you can't and by the way so as i understand it it's not the solicitation that's that's improper it's the it's the accepting any sort of compensation for a flight that is not totally casual and there's a term for it that they use that had to do with similar goals or something like that or similar intent or um something like that jeb you're awful quiet what's uh I, I, no, I, you, y'all are doing fine. Okay, um, so um, it's not the solicitation that the yes, FAA has yes, said is inappropriate. Yes, yes. It's it's the sharing costs when the flight is the result of this sort of a solicitation. You need a rivet shaver to slice it that thin. Like, well, this I mean, is serious. I, I will agree. This is this is pretty thin. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Don't let me interrupt. No, 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 no. So, what do you? you th- why do you think it's pretty thin? Oh, it's it's. One form of online collaboration is okay, but another form is not. Well, no, I think the FAA is saying now that all that's what I'm saying. All that's, forms are now now. You know, I think I FAA think has sort of you know they won't admit it, but FAA has been sort of looking the other way for years <clears throat> about things like you know um, flying club bulletin boards and and you know even the online things that Dave was talking about. I think FAA has looked the other way, but now that the issue has been forced with with this mobile app that uh, that wanted to help people and and now. You know, no, they, nobody's offering themselves up to the public on a bulletin board. They're offering themselves up to the <laughs> to the poor, nummy souls who happen to frequent airports where the bulletin yeah. boards like that exist. That's hardly your guy down at the office that's looking for a cheap ride to Cleveland. No, but it's right. not the. But I find myself in the odd position of defending the FAA's opinion here, and I, I don't like that. It's not the offering that FAA says is improper. It's the accepting compensation. When there's but been it's such a, not compensation if all you're doing is splitting costs. It is. I, I, all right, I hear you. I, and and I, okay. I, I, you that know. is not compensation. When we went on trips where friends were going part of the same way direction, and they offered to split the gas to that drop-off point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no advertising, no collaboration. And it was perfectly within the interpretation in a, in effect of the day. So we'd top off at the home field, we'd load up, we'd top off at the drop-off point. Later on, they'd buy me dinner or something like that. Is that compensation? It was never more than gas money. Compensation means that you make money on something above and beyond the the cost of doing it. Otherwise, it's charity. I'm done. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 as we, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, what was the magazine? Was it? Uh, it was a magazine that you said cheers and jeers. All right. Um, it would and, and mad magazine. Oh well, I'm not. I'm not thinking that quite. I, I'm thinking more along the lines of like People magazine or something like that. Anyways, jeers to the FAA for waiting to make these announcements the day after Air Venture. That, yeah. that was and and, and and to reinforce Jack and let's let's up that to and for the decision themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There, exactly. There's, there's a lot of chicken droppings to going around here, and um, FAA, you know, you 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 continually surprise me. Yeah. Uh, on so really? many different levels. Yeah. Uh, just when I think, um, you know, maybe some some people have pulled their heads uh, out of a warm dark place, they come <laughs> up with this stuff. And they do it, of course, as you say, right after Air Venture. You're like, guys, um, we're not stupid. You know, we may be, you know, somewhat um, uh, hamstrung. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. You know, well, to, to to act and react, but we're not stupid. Yeah. My advice to any home builder that wants to build a project in his hangar is go to the boneyard, buy a derelict 150 or 152 or Cherokee, bring it in. Take the interior out of it and say you're in the process of putting it back together. Yeah, yeah. It's well, just going to come after you finish this other airplane. Yeah, right. No, now we're back to the use of the hangar thing, and I agree. I, I think that's a really tr- uh, tricky thing. That uh, you know, the, the whole you know question of how you uh, you know what, what's the definition of a hangar for that matter is is you know is yeah. is, is yeah. up for grabs if you ask yeah. me, but. Uh, Anyways. And somebody that grabs somebody at the FAA by the neck, shakes them, and goes, Whiskey Tangle Foxtrot. Yeah. Yeah. Go, going back to this rideshare thing for just a second, though, there's a lot of parallels uh, between that policy and the agency's policy on, um, on drones. And basically, any kind of commercial use or commercial operation or anything that can be considered even remotely commercial in the sense of uh, an unsuspecting passenger, a member of the public um, um, being involved in operation of an aircraft, whether or not it's carrying a a, a passenger or a human, I should say, Um, any any operation of that aircraft for which someone might, you know, make some, some, uh, uh, um, some economic benefit is not allowed and that needs to change mm-hmm. that yeah. needs to change um the, the 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 they're building themselves into a corner here and uh just as you know the civil aeronautics board did back in the the 60s and 70s um ultimately coming up uh, i should say ultimately uh concluding with airline deregulation um FAA is starting to get a little uh, little out of hand on some of this, and uh, if they don't watch it, someone's going to pull them up short. Like who? Like the U.S. Congress? Congress would be a, a good place to start. Yeah. They well, kind of choked on the whole uh, third-class medical thing when it comes to no, the, no, the FAA they have, they or Congress. What? The FAA or Congress? The Congress choked. They started to step up, and then with a little, they, a little they, bit they of gamesmanship, back, and they backed off. They've been it's not at it the last twenty-four hours. Have they really? Yeah, it's, it's not over yeah. with yet. Oh wait a minute! What happened in the last twenty-four hours? Uh, they started trying to move the uh, uh, House bill out of oh, committee. I hadn't heard that. Well, that's excellent. 
This is regarding the the uh, third class medical exemption mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, that that there, there was supposed to be. Mo- that, well, there was AOPA and EAA made a big push, and then and there was a lot of a lot of support for it, certainly from the pilot community and from Congress. And then Congress proposed some regulations, and then FAA tried to short. We think tried to short circuit the whole thing, um, and. Uh, Oh, Jeb was absolutely right about that. That was like throwing up a, a set of speed bumps, right? And saying, "Oh, we'll get to it. Don't go so fast." Right. And but then the uh, the administrator in Congress that just aren't that patient with anything to do with the uh, current administration, and they got nothing to lose by ratcheting up the oh, pressure ab- and every absolutely. possibility of moving it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Absolutely nothing to lose. Uh, plus. Um, some of them, uh, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised, are doing it for pure sport. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, then, no, this and, is and this that is, could be enough to get it through on right. the sides of the hill. Yeah. That's right. Well, this is that is interesting, Jeb, because this is one of the questions that we were asking when we were in, in Oshkosh, and we were we were trying to you know kind of you know Monday morning quarterback the administrator's announcement and whether or not the that announcement would be sufficient to to hold off Congress. Apparently well, not, huh? I. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I said at the time. I, I think I said, "Yeah, it, it'll it'll hold them off," but there has to be some movement on the on the FAA's part. It might be that um, you know they're held off uh, through the end of the Congress, and, and that'll that will allow the, the the instant legislation to expire. It have to be reintroduced next year <clears throat> with the new Congress. Um, that's okay on, on one level, but on another level. Um, the same guys who are concerned about the uh, third-class medical certificates, uh, the same guys in Congress who are concerned about third-class medicals, they're also concerned about building home belts in your hangar on your airport. They're also concerned about ride-sharing issues. Right. And they see this kind of stuff, and they especially see the agency basically just kind of thumb their nose at the industry and put out all this stuff the day after AirVenture concludes. And they're like, guys, you know, uh, whiskey tango foxtrot. Right. You know, we tr- we try to work with you. You pull stunts like this, so you know, get out the thirty weight. Here it comes. I and I hope yeah. that's the way it co- helps. Uh, that's the way it goes down. Yeah, yeah. We're, that's the way they through. should be reacting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, hopefully, that is what's going to happen, and and we'll you know we'll see. The next few weeks will tell the tale. Um, we've basically got. Um, early October, um, um, I would think, before this can get, uh, uh, the deadline would be early October because this is an election year. Right. And is that helping the situation or or hurting it, you think? Actually, here's where my expectation rests. Yeah. Quick and dirty. This won't get done before the election. Yeah. And a lot of people will be ready to go home and they'll go back for a wrap-up. And there'll be a handful of things that got to get done before Congress ends to keep stuff running. And this will be something that gets slid through with very little visibility, very little opposition, and wind up at 1600 Pennsylvania for a signature, at which point it's going to get signed because it's already done. If he doesn't, it could expire and it'd have to get taken up all over again by the new Congress, like Mm -hmm. Jeb said. But... Once nobody has anything to gain or lose in the election race, it's amazing some of the stuff that actually gets hmm. done. 
Yeah, you, you're you're thinking obviously of a lame duck session, and that certainly yeah, that's could well exactly happen. It. Yeah, that, that could well happen. And you know, there's a lot of other stuff that's that's heating up here um, uh, on a larger scale that would be of interest to Congress, and we would see possible congressional action here uh, before this Congress adjourns um, at the end of the year. And, uh, and all, a perfect candidate to get lumped in with a bunch of non sequitur sure. stuff. Sure. One of the things that's that's kind of amazing to me, um, looking at what we'll call G- general aviation specific legislation um, over the last few years, is, for example, the Pilots' Bill of Rights that uh, that Inhofe sponsored. Um, that went through on its own. Okay. Yeah. That went through as a separate piece of legislation. There's some other legislation that has has gone through uh, on its own. There was something uh, to do with. Um, I can't remember what it was. Um, um, anyway, that also has gone through on its own mm-hmm. uh, without having to be attached to a, a, a larger must-pass bill. There are clearly going to be some large must-pass bills coming down the pike here for Congress in the next couple of months. Whether you know this gets tacked on uh, is anyone's guess. But at the same time, this could skate through... Um, um, as uh, as a freestanding bill, stranger things have happened. I don't disagree uh, with you at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's <clears throat> interesting. I hadn't realized there was motion on that. That's that's a pretty interesting scenario, David paints, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. Well, Jeb's got by far more time working the hill than me, and I worked it from a different perspective than him. But I still remember how. There could be sane heads come together and actually accomplish decent things when there wasn't big interest from any extreme on either side in fighting it or promoting it. Uh, And this is one of those things that slides right down the middle of the razor blade with a lot of support in the GA caucuses on both sides of the aisle, on both sides of the hill. And that's made me think, you know, this puppy could happen yet this Congress. Keep in mind that, you know, there's like 180 members of the House uh, Aviation Caucus, General Aviation Caucus. There's only 218 votes necessary for passage. That's right. And and on any given day, um, especially towards the end of a session, um, it could take fewer votes uh, Mm -hmm. to to get something to go through. Um, All of that having been said... um, Again, um, it never hurts. And I don't know of any politicians who have ever been hurt for poking their thumb in the FAA's eye. Okay, well, okay, not not a damned one. Yeah, and this, given given the their recent performance on this and other issues, now's a great time to be getting the thumb out. All right. Sorry, I'm I'm frantically scribbling possible episode titles here. And, and um, now it's also an excellent time to ping your congressman uh-huh. and both of your senators uh-huh. and say, you know, don't let this get lost in the rush to November and the wrap-up, because this could be a really meaningful big boost to an industry that hasn't had many good boosts in the last yeah. few years. Yeah. Hasn't, hasn't had a whole lot of good news lately. Yeah. No. So, Okay. What's the story with this F-15 crash? Is there something mysterious going on here, or is this... I don't know. Jeb, you're, so, uh, I, I don't, you're, 
the little headline you gave us um, in the on the list uh, referred to radioactive. Was that just sort of a play on words that that the radio seemed to have disappeared, or is that no? There's there's because I couldn't find a reference to actual radioactivity in this there, story. Is it? No, there's a there's a reference in here um, that. Let me find it real quick. So while you're looking, let me just yeah. kind of let people know here. This is the uh, newsleader.com uh, website. Uh, uh, David, this is a Gannett publication. Do you know where it's located? Uh, I'm looking at it. Oh, the newsleader? Yeah. Uh, where is the newsleader? All Things Valley. This is... Um, Deerfield something. Probably not Deerfield, New Hampshire. But This yeah. is this is Richmond. This is a Richmond newspaper, I think. So it's Virgi- Richmond, Virginia? So right. This was, this was a Virginia thing. Okay. Fighter jet crashes <clears throat> into forest near Deerfield. This is uh, dated uh, August 28th, today, this morning, the story, anyways. Um, so this F-15 went down in a, in a forested area, apparently a pretty big uh, area of, of undeveloped land. And, I was going to say they be mountains back there. Yeah, and so they're having a hard time finding stuff out there, and uh, and most notably they can't find the pilot. It's not clear whether the pilot ejected or ejected successfully. Um, there is an eyewitness that said they saw a parachute, but it doesn't sound like a real, real reliable um, eyewitness. You never know, but. Uh, and uh, and then there was a funny line in here about the radio being the 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 uh, survival radio being I don't know I want to use the word ejected I'm not sure if that's the right word yeah um, but they were talking about how it's a, the the procedure is let's see now here it is here down low in the story um, Shenandoah Valley Virginia yeah um, that's why the big mountains. At a press conference, uh, a, a colonel of the fighter wing commander said normal procedure in a wooded area is to release equipment, meaning the pilot, if he, if he or she ejected, would not have his radio. So apparently they, they think it's reasonable that the pilot might not have had a survival radio, and the uh, pilot could have come down in the middle of nowhere, could have been injured, could be just lost, could be trying to walk out. Walk out you know, I mean, but uh, they're having a hard time. This is only less than 24 hours old. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't see it in this story now, which is probably, um, I don't know that there's any record of uh, uh, this story having been edited, but there was some reference in this story earlier on when this when this was really more uh, newsworthy just breaking talking about how components of the aircraft the f-15 had been built using radioactivity or radioactive processes or something like that yeah okay. Part, parts of the aircraft could be radioactive or something, and those references are, are no longer here yeah have been apparently removed from this yeah, version of the story right that, yeah, yeah. So the original reason I, I posted this it really is no longer active or yeah. no longer operative. But this is, this is a curious thing, though, in that this happened yesterday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Mm-hmm. And, okay. here, and here it is, 6 p.m. Eastern the Time. The next day, so it is over the, 24 hours. The next day. Yeah. And this aircraft hasn't been, I'm sorry, the aircraft's been located, but the pilot hasn't. And it's not like we're talking, you know. Uh, East Jabib or or uh, Afghanistan or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, we're talking we're talking Shenandoah Valley, Virginia. Uh, that's very curious, and I'm not suggesting you know some some uh, 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 terrorist plot or 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 uh, some uh, uh, kind of can, 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 kind of conspiracy or something can, like that. Can, cannibals, cannibals, cannibals. Virginia, that's cannibals. what it is. Virginia Shenandoah cannibals. Mountain cannibals. <clears throat> 
All Virginia cannibal. There's there's your title for this episode. <laughs> um, yeah. But all I, kidding I still, aside, yeah, this is this is just rather odd that um, the pilot's not been found. I'm kind well, of amazed that these rejection scenes don't have a locator beacon built into them. I mean, that's, well, that's what the guy I think was trying to talk about when he says, you know, there's certain equipment that the pilot may deselect uh, from his ejection package, and that may be part of it. Okay, he's, he's, on, is, he's on a completely domestic flight. This is the Malaysian the 777 all over again here. All right, it's just like what the heck. The seat, the seat assembly falls away once the pilot's under canopy. Yeah, okay, it goes away. Gone. So he's not carrying that weight anymore. Right. Most of the survival gear that he's carrying, he's wearing on a vest. Right. Some of it's on the parachute harness. Most of it's on a vest that he's wearing. Ejecting a package that would have a communications radio, I really question that quote. Yeah. Because that's about the dumbest damn thing I can imagine going down anywhere after ejecting from a I know. Particularly a remote area. Yeah. So, well, here I'm reading another. Now I'm looking at WashingtonPost.com. Um, an interesting graph in the story says um, this is a story that they published at 3:15 this afternoon, so about three hours ago. Um, the pilot was talking with civilian air traffic controllers at the FAA, at FAA, FAA's Washington Center in Leesburg just before the crash. The FAA declined to characterize the nature of the conversation or indicate whether the pilot was reporting problems in flight. Well, where's live ATC when you need them here? We need to... Well, there's that, too. He's probably on a uniform frequency, though. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> so yeah, I was going to say, if he was talking to Leesburg, otherwise it would have been Washington Center or Potomac Approach. Well, Washington Center is basically in Leesburg. Yeah. Okay, the uh, next graph is kind of interesting, too. Quoting someone named Keefe, who is probably identified higher in the story here. Um, Keefe... Uh, is quoted as saying, the good thing was he did have notification something was wrong with the aircraft, and he did make that call to Washington Center. Um, Keefe said, declining to, declining to define the nature of the problem. Um, sounds well, like- trees are, and mountainsides are lousy terrain to come down under canopy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't get it much more uh, of a crapshoot. Right. Keefe, by the way, is Colonel James Keefe, the uh, commander of the uh, of the 104th Flighter Wing. It was apparently Mar- Massachusetts-based, is what it says here. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah, believe that's the person who was quoted or, uh, that I referenced earlier when they talked about ejecting or, or shedding the radio somehow. Yeah, that was the guy. The aircraft was on its way to New Orleans mm-hmm. to, to get uh, some equipment upgraded. So, uh, you know, not carrying any weapons, uh, well, except for that probably, nuclear bomb that they were referencing, probably earlier. carrying enough, probably carrying externals so he could go the distance without refueling, but may not have been. Uh, you know, it's it, it it's available on that aircraft, and sure, simpler if it's just one or two going down than having them have to meet a KC one thirty five. Yeah. Apparently, this uh, unit is based at Barnes, which is where we held a uh, UCAP uh, meetup one time out there in central Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it says. And, uh, 104th Fighter Wing. So, anyways, a little bit of a mystery here. Um, it's only been a little over 24 yeah, hours, it, so you know, it, it'll and, clear and itself up, I would imagine. It, it'll, it'll clear itself up, but it's just very curious at this stage that uh, there's just simply no trace of the pilot. I mean, you know, everybody hopes that they do find him and he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. 
Hey, David, what's the deal with this uh, uh, Sam Aircraft Company? Is this a story, or is this uh, what's what's interesting about this? Uh, it, it struck me as interesting because it's not every day that a look to be on the brink of succeeding new airplane company, Sam Aircraft in this case, uh, which has developed a, a, a light sport aircraft. They've got deposits. They've got signed contracts. They've got a factory ready to roll. And the guy that started it and carried it through for the last two and a half years said, you know, that's the part I like. But now I'm going to have to run a business manufacturing kits and airplanes, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, that's so he's put it up for sale. Okay. Um, Yeah. Is is it uh, is it has is there any indication that he's gotten any any uh, interest yet? Well, this just this just landed yesterday, Uh, so I would not expect in 24 hours there to be news of. Oh my God! I've been offered a sale. They've done their due diligence. Everything looks good to them. We're going to closing. That'll probably take a little time. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if somebody took a look at it and said, yes, I want to do this. I want to buy this company. No, I do not want to stay in Montreal, hmm. where it's located now. Right, right. Now, tell not, us about what's their airplane? What's it like? What's it called? It's a little tandem, uh, all-metal, monocoque construction, pretty straightforward, uh, kind of a golden age trainer-looking, like a Ryan, like an old Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's it but called? I'm looking for the name here the, in this press release. Sam. Oh, oh, the Sam is also the, the name of the aircraft. Okay. The Sam, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> the Sam is certified they in Canada. They kept it simple, yeah. As an advanced ultralight is fully compliant with LSA in the U.S., all-metal two-place tandem machine with remarkable... I'm reading from the press release, so you kind of like... With remarkable room and flying manners. It's classic look. The Ryan a, STA a, was the inspiration for its eye appeal. Sets it apart on the ramp. Yeah, okay. I haven't flown it. I sat in it at Sun and Fun a couple of years ago, uh, and I was a lot heavier then and was more than comfortable. Uh, oh. And it's, you know, kind of got that vintage look. Uh, the Advanced Ultralight is a Canadian designation that lets people up there fly two on something simpler than even our light sport license. Right, but, right. Is this a picture of it? I'm looking at the uh, 1215.com uh, press release here, and there's a little picture in the upper right-hand corner, Dave. Is that the airplane we're talking about here? Yeah, and if you click on that... I saw that airplane at Oshkosh. That's Charlie, India, Juliet, Tango, Zulu. Right. I saw. And the reason I remember this airplane is it has a very funky paint... It's actually yeah. not a paint job. It's wrapped, I believe. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it looks like, a, like it has no skin on it. It just—it's you can see the you know you can right. see an it's image. meant to show you what the internal structure right. of you the airplane see. looks like. Yeah, so you 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 can you know you see the the appearance of the of the uh, structure and the seats and some of the controls and things. Oh like yeah, that. I remember this airplane. I saw this airplane. Yeah. It was sitting over on the grass down there yeah. by the uh, Sonics yeah. area. Is there? Oh, I, I remember seeing this at, at the Sebring show a couple of years ago. Yeah, okay. I never saw yeah. it before Oshkosh, yeah. but I did yeah. see it at Oshkosh. Well, anyways, oh, it's, well, it's been at Sebring. It's been at Sun and Fun. Uh, and uh, there was another similar airplane that was uh, on the experimental market, kind of ahead of the light sport wave. And uh, it just started to get some traction when the people that were building it said, you know, eh, we don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. It stopped. So uh, I don't think it'd be bad for the community if somebody picked this up. And 
Montreal's got some great amenities, but you know, if you don't like the weather in the winter time, I wouldn't blame you for moving it someplace farther south. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, cool. We wish them luck um, uh, in in doing whatever it takes to keep the program going because it looks pretty cool. And uh, and somebody's got. We just kind like of... to make sure that the customer promises are fulfilled. Yeah. That'd be well, that too. Wish. Yeah. That too. Okay. Shout outs. What do we got here? Jeb, you're the first on the list. Why don't you go first? Um, oh, so you put him on the spot. Okay, you look at that. I'll go first. Uh, friend of the podcast. Uh, friend of the podcast, and, and he's actually helping us with some stuff right now. Um, Howie Marlin uh, uh, got his tailwheel endorsement the other day, and I just kind of wanted to send, send some props his way uh, for, uh, for accomplishing that goal. Uh, I actually was talking to him on the phone the other day. He was telling me all about it, and he, he was flying down there, and he lives on Martha's Vineyard and uh, flies out of Katema uh, Airport uh, down there on the uh, on the vineyard and uh, um, a, a friend of his down there is also an instructor and uh, they uh, flew us Tabria and he got his tail wheel. Uh, we were, Howie is obviously much further ahead than I, but I have a couple hours in this Tabria. So we were kind of comparing notes on the, on the experience of flying Tabria um, a little bit different than your basic 152. And uh, so uh, um, congratulations to Howie on, uh, on getting his tail wheel endorsement. Uh, um, I haven't done it, but everybody should, and I will one day. Who there? What else? It'll turn you into Fred Astaire on the on the rudder pedals. pedals. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've heard that, and I got a little bit of a taste of that. So, yeah, happy, happy feet, happy feet, happy feet. You just don't want to wear heels, (laughs) right? Oh man, I can't wear my heels in the plane anymore. In in your case, absolutely, you know what you're doing. Okay. Who's got one here? Another shout out? (laughs) Yes? No? Um, I'm sorry. I was I was distracted. <laughs> you were having too much. That's okay. Um, where was I? Oh, there that, that tab. Yeah, no, no. right. Okay. Um, cool fly-in coming up in a, yeah, in a month or so. The, yeah, there is the Lee the Lee Bottom. Uh, what's it called? Lee Bottom Field. Yeah, yeah Lee, Lee Bottom Flying Field, um, uh, which is in Indiana, as I recall. Yep, right there on the shores of the Ohio River. The Ohio that's River. The, that, that's yeah. the body of water you see in the upper left of the photograph. That's right. That's right. That's, that's, what, page. that's what that is. America's Damn. greatest river, in my view, the Ohio. But the Ohio. Another story altogether. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, they're uh, having their annual, uh, what do they call it again? Um, oh, it keeps changing. Um, yeah, they're having their annual uh, fly-in yeah. uh, at Lee Bottom. And this is, you know, I'd say a couple hundred airplanes, a grass strip, uh Barbecue, uh, good management, clean facilities. Um, it's like a three-day event, uh, the 19th through 21st of September, uh, which is to say that you might uh, – never mind. I'm not going to go there. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, I've always heard great things. about They yeah. apparently do fly-ins all throughout the year, all throughout the summer. Yeah, um, but this is the annual But this big is the big one, right? This yeah. is the really big shoe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's always sounded cool. David, that was sort of your neck of the woods. Did you ever go by uh, Lee Bottom Airport? I've landed there. Yeah. Uh, back when it still belonged to the prior owners before Rich and his wife uh, bought it and turned it into a real – go-to place mm-hmm. uh, as they have uh, and yeah it's the uh, only place I got to take my father uh, when mm. I gave him his one ride in the Comanche with me years ago very nice but yeah I grew up just down river about 25-30 miles mm-hmm. from uh, Lee Bottom it's near a town uh, called Madison Indiana where they I don't know if they still have 
hydroplane races there every year, but they used to. Uh, and the Ohio is a lot narrower there than it is down by Louisville where I grew up. Uh, so no matter where you are on shore, you could really see those boats going by up close. Really? Uh, Sounds cool. But, yeah, yeah the, the folks down at Lee Bottom do a hell of a job. Uh, they, they got their tailwheels and uh, wood fabric and tailwheels flying coming up uh, their open house here. Uh, and they're asking people to buy tickets in advance this year. So Yeah. yeah. If, I, if I was within a day's drive, I'd go for sure. It's just yeah. a little bit outside of my one-day range, and uh, and I don't have an airplane I can take. I should figure that part out, but that's a whole you know, other story. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Anyway, so, but Lee Bottom Flying Field, um, a really good cause, um, some really, really good people running this thing. Very nearly died, the the airport, that is, um, a few years back as a result of some storm damage. And uh, the folks yeah, who Yeah, got it, hit by a tornado. These folks who own it didn't give up and close it down. They uh, did what it took, and uh, and so all the more reason to support them. And uh, it sounds cool. I, I would love to go one of these days. Good EAA people. Go to Oshkosh. He flies for the, one of the airlines. Uh, if you're in the neighborhood, you won't be disappointed, but buy your ticket ahead of time. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Other um, shout-outs? Yeah, real quickly, not not that it's a shout-out, but we were talking about this earlier in this episode, so let's let's make sure we're talking apples and apples here. Um, AOPA fly-ins upcoming. You talked about the homecoming at Frederick at their headquarters. Mm-hmm. That's set for Saturday, October 4. Okay. Before that, however, <clears throat> in Chino, California. Oh, that's uh, right. There's another sat- that one, too, yeah. Saturday, September 20. And then um, the last one of the year is uh, at St. Simon's, uh, um, Jekyll Island, uh, which is uh, November 8. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, so three, well, two, and a half, two plus left, the two yeah, regionals plus, and the homecoming. And, and the homecoming, right. Yeah, very right. cool. Yeah, very cool. Kind of get, not, that I, not that AOPA needs anybody to shill for them, <clears throat> but I thought I'd just clarify that. Yeah, yeah. And I've got one last shout-out here, just a kind of quick one here. Um, a, a loyal listener by the name of Steve Karp um, is, uh, we hear from him from time to time on the forums and, and through email and, and other places. And uh, I, I discovered recently that as part of his day job, uh, he creates uh, animations, uh, anim- video animations. And normally I wouldn't plug that, but he's created a whole series of video animations on how aircraft uh, uh, parts, you know, p- uh, components work uh, with animated cutaways and huh. uh, um, there's some interesting things here that that might actually be useful as part of your your training program, um, if you want a little bit look clearer view of how things like altimeters work and and what carburetor carburetor icing is all about and 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 things like that. So, uh, Steve Carp uh, on YouTube, um, his name. Oh, see, I'm sure if you just t- search Steve Carp YouTube because his YouTube name is. I'm almost. I, I'm not even sure if on a family podcast I can say this. Um, it, it's spelled S H I D as in as in Delta. S H I D I F U one one one. Shidufu one one one. I'm not even going to. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, for all we, I, I guess we don't want to know exactly where that comes from, or maybe we do. But uh, but the videos are cool uh, from from UCAP listener Steve Carp. Any other shout outs? Is that it? Fork time. Real real brief one. Yep. Uh, without getting into a lot of detail, I've gotten a lot of nice notes based on the posting on our homepage last week. Thanks to everybody. I appreciate it, and it's all been very helpful. Thank you. There you go. There you go. Well, that's it. Uh, uh, thank you guys for taking some time and uh, and visiting here on our, our uh, 
our uh, virtual hangar. Sorry, I'm scrambling to find my place in my script. <laughs> you know, I lost this, the place here. Where am I here? If this takes off, maybe we could make it a regular thing. Yeah, I know. You never know. It's eight years, man. It, we, we, it was our birthday just the other day. I and, know, uh, you know, I know. It's, uh, I don't know why. It's like, uh, it's, you know, as you get older, you don't pay as much attention to the birthdays. You know, it's not quite such a big deal. But, but eight years. Congratulations, you guys. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, and now people for the last few years have been saying, you know, you're going to keep doing it. You're going to keep doing it. And I confess that from time to time we were, I think, we were a little uncertain ourselves. But, you know, you make it to eight years, you pretty much have to go to ten. I mean, right? I mean, we're not going to stop now and not be able to say we did 10 years. Uh, <laughs> you guys I, are both going, what? I'm what? Going, What's he saying? I don't understand. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah, okay. All right. I just feel so tired. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Damn. Well, you know, okay. That's, that's, that's Jeb Burnside. Jeb's a, a freelance <laughs> aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. David, uh, Jeb, rather, you've been working on anything interesting? What's going on? Um, did some travel last week that was uh, business related. Um, before that, um, was uh, putting the <clears throat> finishing touches on uh, the September issue of Aviation Safety, and before that, I was at Oshkosh. Yeah. Um, so I've taken a little bit of a breather uh, this week. I do have a couple of projects that uh, are in the works. Cut the grass. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, you know, the lawnmower won't start. Something went kaflooey. Okay. That's your Something's, story and you're sticking yeah, to that's it. That's my right. story and I'm sticking to it. Something went kaflooey and uh, I need to spend some quality time with it. Um, but I haven't had the time yeah. to spend some quality time. So this weekend, three-day weekend coming up, we'll get it done. And where, so where can be people find out about you and your uh, your journalism work on the Internet? <laughs> journalism work. Yeah, okay. Uh, All right. You know, yeah. I'm sorry. I was trying to give you credit. I was trying to give you, uh, you know, the benefit of the doubt. But okay. well, a- Aviation Safety Magazine. Yeah. Com is a great place to start. That's certainly one of the day jobs. Uh, AEA.net for uh, the work I do for the Aircraft Electronics Association. And uh, sometimes I'm on the Twitter machine. Sometimes I'm on the Facebook. There you go. There you go. And Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, what's the stories you've been working on? Well, I uh, got something that'll be out here in the next few days in World Aircraft Sales Magazine about the considerations for retrofitting avionics in your business aircraft, and a companion piece that talks about the considerations you need to take into account uh, when preparing to fly in fall weather. Mm-hmm. Cool. That, that, that'll be at avbuyer.com in just a few days. Yeah, very cool. I, I was telling someone, oh, I think I was telling you guys, I'll tell it again because it wasn't on the podcast. Uh, so uh, one of the magazines I picked up at uh, Air Venture was the AEA magazine that I'm always blanking. was Avionic News, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and I don't know why I was focusing on Jeb, but I, I was picked up this magazine and I thought, hey, this Jeb writes this magazine. I'm going to leaf through it and see if he's got any bylines in here. So I'm flipping through it. And I'm, no, that's not Jeb. That's not Jeb. Oh, look, there's Dave wrote that story. <laughs> Flip the story. Yeah, that's not Jeb. That's not Jeb. Right. Hey, look, there's Dave again. All right. yeah. And so, you know, you were like two or three times uh, bylined anyways in the in that current issue of uh, avionics news and uh, so uh yeah keeping busy huh keeping we, busy. we 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 like working with them absolutely we do <laughs> they sound yeah. like good people from what i've heard you guys they're, talk they're, about they're them. a great bunch of people to work with uh they know their stuff 
um, and they don't uh, try to you know act like something somebody they're not. Cool. So yeah, and so they're they're true human beings. Yeah. Yep. And so David, where can uh, people find out about that and other things you do on the internet? Well, avbuyer.com for uh, my friends uh, in London at World Aircraft Sales Magazine, aea.net for the aforementioned avionics news. Uh, we do a little work for a publication out of D.C., but there's no byline there, so I'll just let them promote that on their own. And occasionally uh, with Mr. Burnside's Aviation Safety, uh, where we hope to return to the pipeline very soon. Cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. I'll tell you, since I got back from Oshkosh, I have been in serious vacation mode. I have been, I haven't been traveling for the day job ever since uh, I got back from Oshkosh, and I've just been kicking back. And we've been doing, uh, you know, I've been been working on my motorcycle and riding my motorcycle. And uh, Jeb, you want to hold him and let me beat him, or you want to yeah, beat him and I let know. me hold him? Sorry, guys. I'll, I'll, you go ahead and hold him, and then I'll we'll switch off. Later. I've been I've been seriously enjoying this little period of of. Uh, being actually at home for for an extended period of time. So I've been enjoying that a lot. I've been up at Lookout Point a lot, enjoying both the lake and uh, some projects we've got going on up there. Um, But... uh but I got to go back on the road pretty soon, and so and, and eventually in I'm a get, hacienda hiatus. I know, and eventually I'm going to get uh, ver- uh, uh, volume three of, uh, of the Around the Field series uh, finished and, and put out here. So that'll that'll happen one of these days. Uh, you can uh, you know learn more about me at uh, jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net, and you can follow me on twitter.com/jackhodgson. Um, and uh, you know I guess that's enough. Big thanks to Jeff Ward for his help with the show notes and in the forums. Thanks to uh, Mike Morgan, Royce Earl, Jim Goldman, and uh, uh, the many other listeners who have created the uh, UCAP disclaimer clips. Uh, Don't forget to check out the rest of the UCAP website. You can chat with us directly and with many of your fellow listeners in the Uncontrolled Airspace forums. You can also see who's doing what on the new ratings webpage of fame and much, much more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, was there something you wanted to say? Live old, live long. By flying, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Adios. This episode of Uncontrolled Airspace is made possible by the support of our generous listeners. For over seven years, we've been thrilled to enjoy the financial support and useful feedback of our awesome listeners. For information on how you can join the conversation in our forums, put something in the UCAP tip jar, or even become an underwriter of a UCAP episode, visit the UCAP homepage at uncontrolledairspace.com.